seen a good man sin, I seen a tough man cry. I seen a loser win and a sad man grin. I heard an honest man lie. Welcome back. We are back with another edition of the Fantasy 40 Podcast with myself, John DeBari, my co-host as always, Mr. Matt Walker, and we're brought to you by our friends at Expand the Box Score. So we had a, a week or so to digest the results of the NFL draft. I know we discussed some of the landing spots and stuff uh, following the draft, but now we are revisiting our rookie rankings, which in years past, there's been a lot of movement post-draft based on landing spots. We'll see if that is the case again this year. But uh, before we start getting into it, Walk, how are you and where do you want to start? I'm doing well, John. Uh, I didn't tell you before we went live, but uh, as a 43-year-old man that still thinks he can play competitive sports, I was uh, playing softball last Friday night in my league. And a routine slide into second base and I have not been able to walk right for now four days since then. There's something seriously wrong with my right knee, but I refuse to do anything about it. So <clears throat> we're going to, we're hoping for the best here, John, but you know, it's been a, a lot of ice and elevation and just hoping it goes away at this point. So that's, that's me. Um, but other than that, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing great. You know, we're, <laughs> We're in the we're in the midst of dynasty rookie draft season. I've I've already completed like four drafts. I think I'm at six. Completed? I think so. I'm, I'm active in probably another four or five. And then you know, I have a, like two or three that are coming up mid this week <clears throat> or at on the weekend. So I'll be like at least a dozen in and completed by next week. <clears throat> And then I only have really one that lingers is my home league because we get together. So that usually happens in June. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'll be pretty much all buttoned up for, for dynasty draft season. So perfect time for us to talk about this. I'm glad we got the episode out we did last week because, like I said, I, I had a fair amount of drafts that occurred over the weekend. So to get you know our first blush out was, was a good thing. But now this is kind of settled for us a little bit, <clears throat> really digested these landing spots so we can finalize where we, where we really have these players. Um, you know, so excited to talk about that today. But before we do, there's a, a few, uh, well, really just one topic of note um, on the Twitter sphere, and it's uh, that Zeke Elliott could land with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that would suck because we're both Rashad White fans. And even though I think Zeke is totally cooked, he would find his way into like 150 useless carries if he ended up there. I still believe, end of the day, Zeke Elliott is a Dallas Cowboy, especially after the draft they had where they did nothing to address the running back position, where they give him like a vet minimum with a shit ton of incentives. Uh, what, what what say you? Actually, obviously unhappy with the Bucs because we're both Rashad White fans. Here's but. a question. <laughs> is Ezekiel Elliott today better than Leonard Fournette today? I say no because Leonard Fournette's a better pass catcher. Zeke's I agree protector, completely. Clearly, they—it's the devil, you know, right? So sure. Clearly, Tampa's not bringing Leonard Fournette back. Would have happened already, you know. Or Fournette doesn't want to come back. Whatever it may be, but those two could switch locations. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and mm -hmm. I would think Fournette would be the more successful player of the two. They could land back in their previous destinations. I think Fournette would be the more successful too. I think Fournette has more left in the tank. Then Zeke, I think Zeke's completely cooked, completely. Starting I mean, to rack up injuries, too many touches. Like, just yeah, I, I mean, he's never going to be 
within the shadow of the former Zeke we've seen before, um, you know, cooked meaning, you know, some kind of two down veteran plotter that we've seen linger in the NFL for the last, I don't know, decade plus. I, I think there is a role for him, but I mean, is it fantasy relevant? Probably not. I hope not, because it would only be fantasy relevant in that it would take away from truly fantasy relevant assets. Right? So I would just like Zeke to, you know, ride off into the sunset uh, at this point in time. Like when that list came out that of teams, quote, unquote, he was interested oh. in, it was one-sided. But when the Eagles were on there, no bullshit. I was like, no, I don't want him. Like, not just because he was a cowboy. Like, I just, I don't think he'd help the team. I, I'll t- give me Rashad White over Zeke. Karen Day uh, as an upside running back trained for Swift all but puts a bell on that but I didn't want him I, I think he's done you know like that that's not an explosive element to what that would, that would bog down our offense like I'd rather see Boston Scott get those five carries up the middle than Zeke being dead honest no I I'm I'm on board I mean like <laughs> yeah. I said they're 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 I'm trying to think of guys in recent history kind of like Latavius Murray and there's somebody else whose name is escaping me, but I mean, there's, there's a role for somebody like him. He's a good pass blocker where he, you know, hangs on in the NFL, but yeah, are are you, he's fucking Latavius Murray. I mean, that's, that's who he is now. Right. So listen, Latavius Murray, 33 years old, I'm pretty sure. And just signed with the Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, and he has more upside in Buffalo than Zeke's going to have in Tampa. Latavius Murray has more left in the tank than Zeke has. True and, story. And he's like six years older than Zeke. Yeah. That that tells you all you need to know. I mean, yeah. su- such, is the, such is the life of a fantasy RB1, right? Yeah. Used, yeah. used heavily, thrown into the dustbin of history, and we move on. Listen, I think he probably, even for his high expectations, I mean, he he met them. I don't want to say over because he was a high draft pick and, you know, he was a, a darling of the fantasy community. But he had, up until really last year, <clears throat> right, he was productive on a per-game basis. I know he, he's been even, I think, what, the year before got dinged up with injuries, but he never really had a down year. No, yeah, good good career for him. But, yeah, yeah gotta, <clears throat> why not now? Yeah, I mean, goodness gracious, he's, yeah. Well, take that back. <clears throat> so they, they shouldn't have gave him a second deal because <laughs> he actually started to become very plotterish after the, the 2018 season. So he came out of the gate hot his first three years, and he was averaging, you know, roughly 100 yards per game. And then he's kind of slowly ticked down in 19 in 2019 84.8 yards per game 2020 65.3 yards per game 2021 59.9 58.9 points per game 2022 58.4 so his points per game went down he was you know he had only one of those four seasons over 4.2 yards per carry uh, his yards per target dipped under five these this last is- three years Far too much Zeke talk for a guy yeah. that we're not even going to put on any of our teams. In the yeah. It's because he kept getting touchdowns. You know, dude had 22 touchdowns the last two years on yeah. less than 500 carries. So imagine if Tony Pollard was getting them all along. Oh, don't even get me started. Yeah, Mike McCarthy. So bitch. Uh, all right. He's going to make Deuce Vaughn a thing. 
Oh, don't get me. Uh, well, we'll discuss that too. All right. Let us- <laughs> yeah, Tony Pollard to between the tackles grinder so that Deuce Vaughn could get all the pants down. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. All right. This is disgusting. Let us let us put the pass in the past and move forward. Which position of rookies do you want to talk rankings first? Well, I mean, let's get quarterback out of the way because nothing really happened <clears throat> with the quarterback position. I finally came around and put Anthony Richardson at QB1. I think last time we talked, I said, uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. But I did have Stroud as my QB1 pre-draft. Um, so <clears throat> it, it took a little bit of doing, but the draft capital for him and, and the landing spot, I think the Colts is the best possible landing spot for any of those top three quarterbacks, uh, personally. Look, you, you, I didn't agree with that, and you completely sold me on it um, when we were talking to John, I think. And, yeah, I, I'm – no, I, I was already had him at one, but now I'm full wheels up. I think you made a very good case selling that landing spot. So, I, I – Yeah, I mean, it's it's Jonathan Taylor. It's a it's an above-average offensive line. It's Steichen, who's, who developed both Herbert and – Jalen Hurts, you know, so he can he can use this kid's skills to the best of his ability as he grows. You watch Hurts kind of mature over the last two years as a quarterback. They could do the same with Richardson. And then the, the receivers aren't bad. I'm not the biggest Pittman fan, but Pittman Pierce and even Josh Downs in the slot with big-ass uh, Jelani Woods at tight end. Yeah, and I'm not <laughs> indoors. Like, yeah, just uh, keep checking boxes, right? Most athletic quarterback of all time. Yeah, that, that's what I want in my fantasy on my fantasy football team. So in a one QB or in a super flex, he's my one. And, uh, you know, I think you can make a case that he should go one Oh one, uh, in a super flex draft, because if that team owned the one Oh one is BJ Bijan's not fixing your team long-term Anthony Richardson could. So it's, a you know, it's tough to pass on a quote unquote generational talent like Bijan, but an easy argument could be made that if you're the true one Oh one owner, you should be taking Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I mean, look, we just talked about you know <laughs> Zeke's career arc and how he's done, and I don't—I mean, I don't have his draft in front of me, but I, I would assume the best quarterbacks from that draft still probably have another decade to go in the NFL. So, I mean, yeah, it's—it's it's also the better long-term play because if he hits, you've got you know with, with his rushing upside, you've got a, probably a top ten quarterback until <laughs> twenty thirty-three. Where you, you you don't have an RB one for another decade if you yeah. take Bijan. Yeah, this is uh, totally true. Uh, I'm trying to look at the what was the Zeke here. So I'll I'll, I'll jump into my 2016 top five a little bit here. But I, I the, my big mover even combine and then after was Will <clears> Levis. <throat> I had Levis fourth, then he moved up to third after the combine, and now I put him a pretty solid fifth. I mean, the NFL obviously let him fall. Teams were rumored to be trading up to the one to get him, but you know, he, he fell out for, for no reason except talent. Whereas, you know, Hendon hooker has the injury thing. So it makes sense that he fell. And I, I I've toyed with putting hooker even up at three because like I said, he fell because of his, recent injury stuff, right? It, he is a little older. They go, oh, he played in a gadgety offense. But if that guy doesn't get hurt, Tennessee is is, is probably a, a college playoff team. 
He probably wins the Heisman, and he's probably in the conversation at 101 like Bryce Young was. So I, I think he is the biggest discount among anyone in this whole draft. I mean, you could be getting a long-term QB1 in, in later in drafts, even in Superflex. So, so Hooker is really interesting to me, and I love him at the price. Yeah, they don't argue that. We'll talk about it in a second. But I did have to look at the 2016 class because I should have remembered this, but I don't know why I didn't recall Zeke being in the class. This was the Jared Goff Carson Wentz class of 1-2. And then the only other notable quarterbacks in this class were uh, Christian Hackenberg, who's no longer in the league, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, lingering. Who else? Connor Cook. Um so, nope, can't find anyone else. Uh, Cardell Jones, good old Cardell Jones, Ohio State product. Um, uh, we getting any more quarterbacks in here? All right, so it's Nate, Nate Sudfeld, so the backup for the Eagles for for a hot minute. Brandon Allen, a couple, we got a couple back. Jeff Driscoll, and we got some, we got some backups in here. Brandon Doughty, don't know who that is. Oh, uh, Western Kentucky. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it really? You damn right it is. Good for look at you. Never would have got there. You could have even <laughs> told me it's a school in Kentucky, and I wouldn't have guessed. That's <laughs> true. Honestly, okay, but that was that. So just had to has had to go there. So Zeke, other than Jared Goff, has outlasted the dynasty quarterbacks in his draft. So. Far more return on investment for, for old Zeke. But that was also the Derrick Henry draft class who continues to persist, but he didn't get the usage early on. So um, you you mentioned Hooker and Levis. So, yeah, we both have Stroud and Bryce Young at 2-3. So I have Levis at 4, Hooker at 5. You flip the, the two of them. And I, I, I get it. Um, you know, I've heard multiple reports, you know, obviously a lot unsubstantiated, that the Titans were trying to get into late first um, to pick Levis. I've also heard and read reports that – if Anthony Richardson wasn't there for the Colts at four, they were taking Levis as well. So it sounds like more uh, fantasy Twitter hates Will Levis than the NFL hates Will Levis, which is all well and good. He fell regardless, his second-round pick, you know, not guaranteed anything. But he landed in a pretty decent spot because the, the leash is going to be super short on Ryan Tannehill, and Malik Willis is already done. So my oh, opinion – Will Levis starts games this year <clears throat> for the Tennessee Titans. Hendon Hooker, ACL repair, supposedly going well and all, but I would be shocked if he is even active for a game this year. For the yeah, Lions. and I, and I so think that what comes down to is do the Lions extend Goff or not? Because now I'm hearing reports that they're talking about extending him. Um, shocked the Lions didn't try to do something quarterback related before the third round personally, but Hendon Hooker is a good, is a worthwhile pick in the third. If he can be anything, even if it's just a high end backup, but if they extend Goff, then, you know, that, that ship all but sales because hookers, but he's already 25 or he's going to be 25. Not going to play till next year. 26. If they extend Goff, you got to think multi-year deal, probably three years likely that they're not going to two to three. They're not going to get out of it. So now we're talking late twenties hooker. Now I get it. Like guys can play into their forties now, but, is he going to continue to have the opportunity <laughs> if that golf ship sails? Is it just, you know, they're trying to Jordan love their way into the next starter when they sunset their starter and have their backup who sat for four years. I don't know. So 
if if they extend Goff, Hooker's all but dead, in my opinion. I mean, there's kind of that thing where you you give the courtesy extension to guys to like, like the Packers just did with Love. So he feels confident out there this year, and then it's just a you know one year bridge. So I, I could see them, you know, you don't want Goff playing with this mystery of where is he going to be for the next couple of years. You could give him some kind of mutually beneficial deal where he feels comfortable he'll be there, and then you know. One year later, he could be in a competition with Hooker and in camp, and then that kind of that'll tell you everything. If Goff wins it, then they'll probably give him another extension, and then if Hooker wins it, they cut Goff with one year left on his deal. He'll be the backup for a seat. So I kind of see what what they could be doing, but you know, if, if Detroit does what Detroit does and sucks again, they could be. <laughs> no matter how much you like their team, it's not you know crazy that they're picking top six again next year. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, did anything's possible? It's just that unknown, and then the fact that he fell to the third round, where there were some mocks that had him going in the first round. You know, he was he had, you know, it it almost sounded like a second round floor. You know, and then that didn't materialize, and you start to get vibes of kind of last year's draft where these guys just kept tumbling. Like, yeah, I know he didn't fall until day three, like most of the guys did last year, but still, it was a it was a pretty precipitous fall for a guy that was very highly regarded before he tore his ACL. Right. So and you see that not only him, but then you see Jalen Hyatt also fell where he was getting first round buzzed. Uh, what's his name? Uh, said he was the best receiver in the draft or zero yeah, right. his top mm-hmm. receiver in the draft. Him, him and Cedric Tillman go back to back picks. You know, uh, when they were they were what third round as well. So this Tennessee offense got nerfed <laughs> a little bit altogether, you know, in, in being third round picks. And I don't know, is it because it's really not transferable to the NFL or or what, but it's a little telling that all three of those players, I don't want to say fell, because I think Tillman went where he went, but I think the assumption was those other two guys were, were projected to go sooner in the yeah. NFL draft. So um, I'm a little concerned for Hooker. Um, I have a shit ton of Will Levis. Uh, <laughs> not, it was totally unintentional, but I have a lot of late first-round picks, whether they're my own or picking up additional assets. And, you know, so – it just put me in a position where it's, you know, best player available and, you know, 90% of leagues I'm in are super flex leagues. And yeah, if I'm, if I'm sitting at the tail end of the first round, like picks 110 and beyond and all the, the known cast of characters are gone, I'm taking Will Levis. Um, you know, if he starts, then I'm going to accumulate value in, in a, in a super flex league. Th- that's um, the thing. Sell him more than a late first. So yeah, when you're, <laughs> In the super flex world, most people are heavily invested in. Yeah, you you you're almost forced into it. I, I remember having this conversation with Daniel Jones. Nobody wanted him, and he was someone that I ended up with a ton of. And really, I mean, luckily he's been okay because he's done enough with his legs to boost them, even though he's kind of sucked on the field for NFL purposes. And, and yeah, like like you said, and I'm picking eleventh and twelfth, and I'm, I'm on the clock and I'm like, Oh God, I have to, <clears throat> you know, whether you want him or not, you go shit. I, I, there's no way I can let a first round quarterback fall out of round one in this draft. So I guess I'll take him. And I mean, he's, you know, he's got the extension now. So the teams that I've had him, he's been more than usable. And there's a definitely a path where that's the same thing with Will Levis five years from now. He's still <laughs> clinging to that Titans job. And you're like, well, guess I'll plug him in this week. 
Yeah, you made me just go down the the Daniel Jones uh, rabbit hole here because I was trying to think. I knew he had a shitty year last year, right? But he started 12 games his rookie year, right? He yeah. threw 24 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. So oh, the interceptions good. Yeah. Threw 24 touchdowns. He has thrown 25 touchdowns and 12 interceptions the last two seasons combined across 27 games. That's crazy. So he's cut down his interceptions, but he's also cut down his touchdown passes. So he's protecting the ball at all costs at this point. So thank goodness he runs like he does because that dude is so like the QB 30 if he was just an average runner. I'm, I'm going to completely butcher this stat, but it's it's close to I believe he has the most – 90 plus yard touchdown, 90 plus yard rushes of any quarterback in history. <laughs> I think he's I, got like five carries for over 90 yards. I wouldn't be surprised because I'm pretty sure he, one of them happened against the Eagles, which should have been a touchdown. And he got, got caught by the old turf monster. It's happened a couple times. And, and taken out. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just a, he's like a baby deer out there. Like, the legs just, they get away from him. And I mean, as well, I mean, goodness gracious, I I didn't even realize this either. So kudos to Daniels. I knew he had a good year, but he rushed for 708 yards and seven touchdowns last year on 120 carries. His career high on any of his three seasons were 65 rushes. He had 423 yards that same year, 65, and he's never had more than two rushing touchdowns. So all that Dable did is say, stop throwing the ball. We're going to take so many opportunities out of this offense. We're going to add 60 carries to your ledger. Whatever you're, whenever you're questioning, should I throw this ball? pull it down and run it and it worked but also not extremely sustainable for for him so just taking a couple of shots at daniel jones when i get the opportunity uh, a quality year happened at the right time after they didn't pick up his fifth year option but they are going to regret that deal with him because now what they're tied to him for at least the next two or three seasons so i mean if they think they can develop him, it's not awful but right. well, listen, I mean, yeah, this, this Brian, is... Brian Dable made that team far more competitive than I thought they were going to be year one, and they've added talent, yeah. but still, I'm just not there on Daniel Jones. I'm, he's he's his athleticism is continues to carry him, and that'll that'll only get you so far. But yeah, there's there's not really anything else to talk about on quarterbacks. I think there's a no. there's a hard line. There was kind of a a chasm between Hendon Hooker and then the day three guys. You know, shake them up in a hat and see how they come out. Stetson Bennett, Jay Kane, or Jaron Hall, Dorian Robinson, Dorian Dorian Thompson Robinson, and Aiden O'Connell are all are six through ten in different capacities. Um, I have been at six. You have been at seven. And I think it's because there's an opportunity that he could start for the Rams as early as this year. If something he's, happens to Matt Stafford. He's, so he's been, he's been the QB six in every draft I've been in. Yeah. I mean, and well, he should be. And then you get some of these upside guys, you know, I mean, like a Jaron Hall at the Vikings. I mean, there's, there, it's a one year deal with uh, Kirk Cousins. So who knows? And then Aiden O'Connell you know, comes out. You know, I'm sure this is why you had it there too, that the Raiders love this kid and, you know, they could develop him. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, everyone loves the kids they draft, right? But you know, it's uh, it's there's there's a potential there, and it's not a long term commitment with Jimmy G. So, give me the guys that might have an opportunity. We're both Jay Kaner guys, but you know, Saints what in the next three to four years are pot committed to Derek Carr. So I doubt it's going to happen. But that's why he falls into that top ten. Anything else you want to say about the quarterbacks? No, they're disgusting. Agreed. So we'll move to the tight end position. So we're just we're going to build up mm. again into kind of the more debatable mm. positions. And you did do something here that does not shock me at all and should not shock anyone that knows John Dabari. But 
You <laughs> steamed Sam Laporta all the way up to your tight end one spot. He got the capital early second round. He landed it with the Lions, who are a barren tight end room with light pass catchers overall, but have kind of had a resurgence uh, with Ben Johnson in that offense. So I don't, I don't disagree with Laporta. I think it's a a bunched three up top, and you can you can argue you have Porter, Mayor, Kincaid. I have Kincaid, Mayor, Porter. Or sorry, I have Kincaid, Mayor, Laporta. So we just flipped our one and our three. Both have Mayor Wedge right in the middle of that sandwich. Um, I don't have anything against Sam Laporta, so I'm not arguing where you have him. I like Sam Laporta a lot. It looks like he made it from number – what was he? He was number seven. seven. He was number five for you, and he jumped up to one. He was number five for me. He jumped up to three. So he he moved for both of us. He and we both liked him pre-draft. He got the capital. He has the profile, and he has the opportunity. So I'm not arguing against that. Don Kincaid. I just I he's a wide receiver in Buffalo. He's going to play the slot. He's like he's, he is. Dalton Dalton uh, Dawson Knox is going to be the pass blocking tight end. My thought is the Bills were on the clock, and they looked around and said, who's the best pass, ca- pass catcher available left left in the draft? And it was Dalton Kincaid because the top four wide receivers went, and they weren't going to reach on who was number five. So they needed to address pass catcher. I think they did it with Dalton Kincaid. Uh, he is going to be on the field a lot and going to block a little. So he was already my tight end, too. He bumped Mayer because of the capital and I, you know, being tied to Josh Allen for the foreseeable future. Not that you are slighting Kincaid at all in having <laughs> him as your, your tight end three, but I don't think there's really much debate that those are the clear top three, right? Do you know what? I'm really, I have been trying to convince myself against this. I, I'm starting to think it's a clear top four. I think Musgrave should kind of be inching his way into this conversation. He as far as I could tell, he's the only guy that is absolutely locked in as his team's tight end one for opening day already. The, the um, other guys have a little, a little bit of something that you know, v- veteran deference where you go, well, this, this guy gets the nominal start. There's nobody in Green Bay. He's the tight end one, and uh, Tucker Craft is the tight end two. Their top two tight ends are those guys. So if you're just talking sheer opportunity and, and I didn't like it uh, initially post-draft. Cause I was like concerned about what the offense is going to look like. If love's going to be any good, there's plenty of question marks, but at the end of the day, there's fucking nobody. He has no choice to be. Mm. He has to be the guy unless Kraft jumps him and he's the guy, which is certainly in the realm of possibility, but it, to me, right now, today, he just is, is screaming volume because he's there's no choice. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still draw, drawing a pretty definitive line. I, I like Musgrave. I also like Kraft. Um, and so it's it's unfortunate <laughs> that one of these guys has to die for the other to succeed. Sure. For me, Tucker Kraft is a far more prolific pass, proven pass catcher when Musgrave is very good blocker when Kraft is not a very good blocker. So I don't know. I 12 personnel. It looks like Kraft and routes Musgrave, you know, chip it off the line type thing. So only time will tell. I still have Musgrave at four and Kraft down at seven. So I'm still deferring to the draft capital. I just hate that that happened 
because I think it's going to limit both their upside uh, ultimately, which is why I can't push Musgrave up what? there. The, Outside the of that, Packers, I'm there's not a ton of defined, you know, pay, proven pass catchers in this offense. You know, they have a history of doing this. They took both of these guys. They took Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams the same draft last year. They finally d- dipped into the wide receiver pool. They take Watson yeah, and know. Dubs this year. They went double dipped or triple at wide receiver. Triple, so yeah. the Packers, I, I mean. They tell you what position they're looking for every year. They it's spent just, more on offensive pass catchers uh, this year than I think they did in the entire Aaron Rodgers era. Correct. But yeah, <laughs> which is fantastic. Know, they tell you what positions they're looking for, and and I don't necessarily hate the strategy. I mean, you go back years ago to the uh, Redskins taking uh, RG three and, and taking Kirk Cousins, and at the end of the day, it ended up Cousins being the 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 huge winner by mm-hmm. by miles. So I, I don't hate when the teams double dip there from an NFL perspective for fantasy. Yeah, it's maddening because agreed. If I was a Packers fan, I I'm I'm all no, in. It's the best. Yeah. They put you in certain you know packages and positions to create mismatches. So I I love it from an NFL perspective, but both these guys can't produce as tight ends for fantasy. I'm just there's there's not enough options, and then we're still relying on Jordan Love. But yeah, I mean Musgrave is my four. He's your four as well. Um, I bumped Brenton Strange up to five for me. Um, he's eight for you. He's a climber for the two of us. I think he landed in a perfect spot where he's going to get a year in that Jaguar system as Evan Ingram probably cycles out after that uh, franchise tag, unless he gets an extension. Who knows if if Ingram plays well again, he probably does get an extension, and then. Maybe there's a longer curve, but everything I'm reading about Strange is that this dude was like underutilized at Penn State, and they have a history of like putting out quality tight ends. Listen, they had Gasecki, they have Fryermuth. Shit, Zach Coons had to transfer because he couldn't get on the field there. And now there's Brenton Strange, and there's reports of people saying that this kid's the best of all of them. And he just wasn't used as such, and he's just like a the, a complete tight end prospect that. I'm going to bank on, um, especially in fantasy football. And you can get him even in tight end premiums. He's like a late second, early third round pick. Um, I'm all about that. So he ended up five for me. He's a for you. You had Schoenmacher up at five, which he's going to jump into a potential huge opportunity with the Cowboys. And then a guy that came out of literally nowhere is Elijah Higgins, who you have at six. I have at eight. I had Higgins ranked as a wide receiver pre NFL draft. And I think speaking about him said, this kid is going to be a tight end in the NFL. And lo and behold, he was drafted by the dolphins as a tight end. I have checked and MFL has him listed as a tight end already. So we don't oh, have do to, they? Good. Yes, we don't have to hope that he gets the position eligibility. He is a tight end for the Miami dolphins. I think he's a little bit of a project, um, Big but <laughs> he's never, never played a snap since in high school, even at tight end. Yeah. Well, listen, he's not going to be a tight end either in the pros. Right. He's going to be a big slot detached to move tight end type. He's 230 pounds. I mean, unless he's going to put on 25 pounds, he's never going to be a prototypical tight end. So it'll be interesting to see what the dolphins do with him, but I think he's worth the shot um, as kind of a, an upside type tight end, but I'm, I'm not going to put him above the, the Tucker Crafts and the Brenton Stranges of the world. That's where you and I differ a little bit. You're you're banking I'm, on offense and upside, right? Yeah, I'm too low on Strange. You're absolutely correct. I, 
this I, I'm baking into his cost Evan Ingram returning, um, which is, is actually I'm probably wrong. It's probably more likely he moves on than stays, especially because they spent the draft capital on Strange that they did. So he should be higher. I, I we, we talked about this a bunch last year with Gisecki just being a giant disappointment in this Miami offense, and if McDaniel called it, called it. Said it. Said the whole time. Hold it. And, and, and if McDaniel was looking for his, you know, tight end plug-in guy, right? Like needs a tight end in this offense. They they drafted him and said, "This is our tight end." So it's going to be him. I, I I just like you said, I, I'm swinging for the fences here. This is a upside ranking, but he is one of my favorite late round going undrafted guys. I, I think he's screaming with upside and he literally costs nothing right now yeah he's he's not going to be unknown for much longer unfortunately i i have missed Correct. out in multiple tight end premium leagues already on this kid um because the, the, the words getting out on brenton straight and the fact that he got day two draft capital so i mean anyone worth a shit um is is paying attention to Brenton Strange, but I I'm just really liking this class still. I mean, even where it looks, we're not we haven't even talked about Darnell Robinson yet, who I was never high on. Washington, <laughs> what I say, Robinson? Did I? <laughs> Whatever. Oh yeah, Darnell Washington, who's now firmly entrenched below Elijah Higgins as my tight end mm-hmm. nine. He's down at tight end eleven for you. You're just from saying, one. I dropped him 10, 10 fuck spots. You, fuck you, Darnell. Like, you, suck it. You're, you are an extra offensive lineman officially. And don't you dare try and eat off Pat Fryermove's plate. Like, it's – he has some foot issue. It's supposed to be like a chronic issue that he, like, can't practice on back-to-back days and stuff like that, which is going to be – if that persists, like, impossible to do any installs where this guy's involved in your offense. Like, he will literally be your glued to your line. That's what Darnell – Darnell, I keep – Keep doing it. Darnell Washington's role is going to be for the foreseeable future. Um, so he's not going to be on any of our teams. I, I drafted him in one league. It's not even a tight end premium, but literally like the end of the fourth. Like it was – everything was picked over. And I'm just like, eh, I'll, yeah. I'll take one share of them to see what happens. But I probably could have easily pivoted and went with like a UDFA and felt just as good yeah. about it. Like he's, he's – He's cooked. So anything else? You, you what, Josh Wiley. I don't even know if that's how you say it. You have him a seven for the Titans. Um, is that landing spot? What, what, what's your deal? With yeah. Josh I mean, Wiley? I, I, when did I have him before this? I had uh, you had him at like 12. Well, I had him 10. And so I still had him. I had him eight originally then 10. Okay. Listen, I had him at 10 too. And all he did is walk himself down two spots, you know, cause he got passed by the Elijah Higgins and Brent Strangers <laughs> of the world. I mean, so yeah, Titans landing spot. I, Chig Okonko, who I like, is a bit undersized, which you know doesn't necessarily mean anything if you're a, a predominantly pass catching tight end. We've seen that in the past, but you know sometimes these undersized guys get banged up. I like the opportunity potentially for him there, especially if the Titans start losing and get Tannehill on the bench and and you know, get Levis in there. And as this team kind of starts to tank and fires off pieces, I I could see where Wiley will be the long-term option there. I don't, again, is it super fantasy viable to be part of this 
Titans passing game as long as Derrick Henry is in town? No, but that should be ending sooner rather than later too. So he's probably a little, they should probably have strange ahead of him for sure. But um, yeah, I, I, I was, I mean, he technically went up one spot if you go all the way back to pre everything. So I, I was already a fan and I, I don't dislike the landing spot. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't even given him a second of thought even in any of my tight end premiums. Um, but I don't think he's, he's dead. He's still ranked for me, but you know, even the Zach Koontz experience is kind of, you know, taking a turn for the worse. He lasted all the way to the seventh round. He almost went UDFA and then lands with the Jets, who are still tied to um, Conklin and CJ Uzama, I would assume, for this year. And he's not going to, Koontz ain't going to see field at any time that, that uh, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback for the New York Jets. So he now becomes a draft and stash late roundy guy. So athleticism only gets you so far, (laughs) apparently. So uh, last, we barely knew you, Mr. Koontz, but anything else on the tight end front? No, I mean, we, we talked about this class a ton and how much we liked it pre-draft and I, I like it. It, just it, as got, much. It, yeah, it got deeper. We're now shitting on Darnell Robinson, Washington at the end. <laughs> but even, I mean, we'll, we'll scroll to some of the late names. I like Payne Durham I, going to Tampa. You know, does Kate Otten, if he doesn't develop, Durham's the next man in line. Davis Allen going to the Rams. I liked Allen. The, the Rams are a spot where if they get rid of, uh, I always forget his name. Damn it. Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby. There, there could be a role for Allen in the future. The two guys that went to the Niners, uh, Latu and Willis, don't like either one of them being buried behind um, Kittle. Jesus, yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, it's usually it. it's usually me that's that's drawn dead on these names, but I'm glad I'm here for you today. But <laughs> and then we're not. Neither of us even said about Will Mallory, who you have at nine, I have at eleven. It's just a deep room. I like the player. It just doesn't look like any of the other guys. They have like monsters in in their six five. I mean, he's as tall as uh, the guy whose name. He's not as tall as Jelani Woods or that is true. Yes. So I mean, he might. He's bigger than that other guy. That kind of moved tight end they drafted and did nothing with for two years. Granson. Uh, Yeah, Kylan Granson, but. Yeah, I mean, big thirty-nine. I mean, he is a, a giant, but unfortunately, he's in a room of monsters. <laughs> hey, he's two thirty-nine. Yeah, uh, that's that's light. Yeah, a little light in the pants there, Willie. Willie. I mean, from what they have going on there, yeah. yeah. Darn, Darnell Robinson, Washington would have been a better fit, but yeah, yeah. Good landing spots, good class. Uh, nobody, no one, no one really, you know, relative to the position possibly but to the rest of the class nobody dropped yeah we got draft capital out of these guys I these mean, guys should have jumped all these yeah. shitty receivers yeah i mean we had a lot of guys go by the end of day two you know in the tight end position that's what we anticipated it was projected as a i won't say nine but a high-end draft class you know and it, nine, it, i believe right landed as such yeah looks yeah. like it big big fan it's good for us we love this all right, so I'm going to let you flip the coin. Do we go to running back or wide receiver? I'll, I'll, I will literally flip a coin. Let's see here. Why I knew you were going to do that? It tails wide receiver. I don't even know how you have a coin at your disposal, but <laughs> and it's, it's neither here nor there. We're not going to we're getting into the semantics of things. Okay, so we're going to go 
to the wide receiver position. So not a lot to see at the top again. Both have Jackson Smith and Jigba as the one. You have Quinn Johnson at two. I have Quinn Johnson at three. You have Jordan Addison at three. I have Jordan Addison at two. We both have Zay Flowers at four. Okay, so nothing moved there. Our five and six are same flipped again. You have Jonathan Mingo, Marvin Mims. I have Marvin Mims, Jonathan Mingo. Okay, so our top six are all the same. No more than one spot moved from any of these guys. So I don't know that there's a lot to talk about there. We were pretty high on Mingo pre-draft, and then he got the capital, right? You had him as your wide receiver nine. I had him as my wide receiver 10. So didn't get steamed up a ton. And it moves four spots for each of us if my math serves. So, you know, he's in a... Almost barren wide receiver room, got high second round draft capital. He's now tied to Bryce Young, super athletic, yada, yada, yada. Anything more on the, the Jonathan Mingo other than that? I don't think I have any shares of him because of this. I, I, I literally <laughs> got him in every single mock I did for the last three months. <laughs> and now I'm, yeah, and now I'm getting him zero. Yeah, you know what? I I got him one place, and I I don't know what Leo's in, but I had back-to-back picks, and I selected Marvin Mims and Jonathan Mingo because I I texted you and said, "Who am I taking?" And then I gave I forget who the third guy was, and then we you said, "Well, both of us have Mingo and Mims right ahead of third guy, so go with those two. So I think I have a single Mingo share, Um, single Mingo. I like it. Um, But yeah, there was the capitals there for him, the opportunities there for him. Marvin Mims, I don't mind the Broncos landing spot. And I, I think KJ Hamler is done with them. They traded up to get him. I think Sean Payton has a, a plan in place. I don't think Sutton and or Judy are long for the Broncos. So and even if they are, they they fucking can't stay on the field. Yeah, I mean it's 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 A or B, right? So I'm and I'm not fading Mims at all. The production was there, the draft capital was there. I liked the player beforehand. He was my wide receiver seven before, so he moved up a whole two spots to get into my top five. I really like Marvin Mims and the opportunity he's going to have. If we go beyond that, so now we're we're talking seven on. So you have Josh Downs at seven. I have him at eight. So we're not going to talk about Josh Downs. It's not fun. You have Jaden Reed at eight. I have Jaden Reed at nine. So we're not going to talk about Jaden Reed either. You have Jalen Hyatt at nine. I have Jalen Hyatt at 10. So we're not going to talk about him. You have Cedric Tillman at 11. I have Cedric Tillman at 11. So we're not going to talk about him. Who we are going to talk about is Rashi Rice, who I have as my wide receiver seven now. You have buried all the way down at wide receiver 12. Why do you hate Rashi Rice? Yeah, was not a fan coming in. He was he was 15, so he moved up three spots uh, by virtue of landing with the Chiefs. Uh, I, I think someone was sharing the link this morning about him. Everyone's getting all hyped up of him burning some corner in camp, and uh, <laughs> then everyone was pointing out that the corner is so shitty that he's actually wearing a Mahomes jersey. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even have his own number or jersey yet. So fantastic. <laughs> he's burning a nobody. Yeah, I, I I was not a fan coming in. I gave him a small bump up because he's on one of the better offenses in football. It, 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 there's obviously a path to success for him, but uh, as we've unfortunately learned repeatedly in the last couple of drafts, the Chiefs' bump is in name only. A lot of these guys have been a lot more disappointments than uh, – breakouts so i am gonna go with my pre-landing spot eval give him the small bump just by the virtue of being on a team that should score shit ton of points you know bigger bigger pie for him to get a piece of so i i just am not there on him and i never was listen 
Hold your ground. Yeah. I had him at wide receiver 11, bumped him up to seven. So he jumped up four spots from me. Um, did get the draft capital, second round, pick 24. Did get the landing spot with KC, but, you know, it, what does that matter as long as uh, Kelsey's still there catching passes? Probably not. But, they, you know, what do they have there? A, a, a mythical Kadarius Tony wide receiver one, a likely bust already in Sky Moore, a one trick pony in MVS. I don't, it's just, this is going to look different a year or two from now, right? Travis Kelsey can't last forever. And I'll take the shot. I, when I'm not that crazy about this class. Um, I said, it's kind of top heavy. Uh, so I'm going to lean draft capital a little bit. He's a bursty player. He actually had a 41 inch vert and a 10, eight broad. So he's a little bursty with four or five speed for his size. He is six foot one, two Oh four. So, a lot of things we like when we're scouting, but then also on NFL.com, we have the sources tell us his production looks good this year, but I think Danny Gray was a better prospect coming out last year. Rice can run, but you don't always see his speed when he plays. When I read about the Danny Gray thing, I was like, ouch. <laughs> that, one, that one hurts a little bit, and that was a direct scouting director for an AFC team, but I'm still going to give him the, the nod over some of these lesser knowns i faded both the tennessee guys hey if you're if you're swinging for the fences and you're taking the player with the highest upside and ranking that accordingly you could probably you give him seven i i think you can make a case for him at five yeah i mean he's i think he's in that conversation with mims and and mims and mingo personally i mean and and then Jaden reed i like Jaden reed i i do um that was a that was a tough area for me, that whole Rice Downs Reed spot, because Downs fell as I thought he would, because I wasn't as high on him as some others, but he fell into a really good spot. Correct. So that's it, it hurts, I moved him Right. So he went from he went from six all the way down to eight for me. <laughs> like that was not a not a big jump. There was that you were talking about micro movements in, in that range of players, but it wouldn't surprise me if any one of the three of those is far better than the other two. Um, yes. But I'm going to lean on the one catching passes from Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I don't. That's where I'm at. You'll get so, no arguments from me. Yeah, so from your 12 to your 13, Tank Dell, is also my 13. Yeah. I I like the player. He's super tiny, but he got decent draft capital. You know, supposedly him and C.J. Stroud are like, had an instant connection at the combine and Stroud asked for the Texans to draft him. Like so many narratives that I just, I couldn't help myself, but bump him up uh, a little bit in my rankings because I didn't have tank Dell in my top 20 post combine. I just didn't believe in the player given the size, you know, in the late, I, I still don't. And this is one of the hardest rankings for me just because he got decent draft capital and I hate him at 13. I don't, I'm not taking him in any drafts. You know, I, I have my draft rankings. And when I go, when I do all my drafts, I'm actually crossing names off my little lists with pen and paper and highlighting. And even when he has been the best player available, I have skipped over him. I just, it, we, we've just seen this too many times. <laughs> These little guys, and we, we get all excited and the team talks them up and we're like, oh, this guy will be different, but none of them have been different. And there's no reason to think he is. Yeah. I got him super late. It was literally a point where I, I filtered MFL by 
you know, rookies only and yeah. looked at the draft and like there was just no one else. Like there was literally it was just dudes like seventh round, six, seventh rounders and UDFAs that were left. And then you just see Nathaniel Dell sitting there with early round three capital. So I, I have one share of Nathaniel Dell, but he's 23 and a half years old already. Five eight one sixty five confirmed. Only ran a four four nine forty. That's surprising. As little as he is, his breakout age fortieth percentile breakout age on player profiler. He's a late breakout. He was awesome in Houston the last two years, but he was because he was twenty two fucking years old playing college. <laughs> I mean, this stuff matters, right? Yeah, like absolutely. yeah. I mean, I'm. I don't like that I have him where I do. I mean, I I like Michael Wilson better. Than I do. And you have Michael Wilson higher, right? Yeah. So yeah, I skipped over your Michael Wilson. So yeah, it's it's hard for me there. Um, but there's a ton of opportunity for him at Houston as well, right? So he he's another tough one for me, but I'm if I'm gun to head, I'm taking Michael Wilson over Tank Dell in a draft. So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to fix that. Tank Dell, you're now number 14. <laughs> Michael Wilson, congratulations. You just made it up to Lucky number 13 in the draft. Going beyond that, is there anyone that you wanted to talk about outside of the top 12 that was a riser, that was a faller for you and why? Just a, a couple guys. Um, Trey, I, I'm all in on Trey Palmer now. That guy just keeps I like climbing, keeps climbing for me. Landing with Tampa, you know, for, for he's probably even a guy to target if you miss him in your drafts, wait till next offseason because, you know, there may not be a big role for him this year. If you don't trust Baker Mayfield, there, there's a path where there's a new younger quarterback. Mike Evans is out of there. So I like his long-term kind of dynasty projection, even though I don't necessarily love him for 2023. Um, Xavier Hutchinson, t- talking about Tank Dell and what we're seeing with the Packers double dipping at wide receiver and tight end. Sometimes it's the other guy, <laughs> you know, there, there's, the the cupboard is bare for receivers there in Houston, so there's nothing but opportunity in front of Hutchinson. You know, if he can do it, he he's the bigger bodied guy. Who would you rather have in the red zone, Tank Dell or Hutchinson? I mean, Dell probably is a, is a better route runner, so it might be able to you know get open in that red zone. But give me the big guy. And then scrolling down to one more guy, Parker Washington going to the Jaguars is, I have him at 20. I think that's too low. I actually moved him down a spot, I think, from pre a couple spots from pre-draft. Um, Jacksonville, if I'm not mistaken, Zay Jones, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kirk. And the Mr. Mr. Gambler Ridley, they all have an out in their contract after this year. I think Ridley just has one year left, and the other two guys have an out built in. It is not the craziest thing in the world for Parker Washington to potentially be a top two or three receiver. Let's get nuts and says he actually has a decent rookie year. He could be. Trevor Lawrence's wide receiver one going to 2024. I mean, a lot of shit has to fall into place for that to happen. And maybe they, you know, take somebody early next year, but he's probably absolutely in the top three a year from now and could be one of their top two options in the passing game. So I think I'm a little low on him actually. Yeah, it almost seems like the Jaguars knew what they were doing with the Kirk and Zay Jones contracts, right? There was a bad free agent class, but they needed to do something to help Trevor Lawrence. So mm-hmm. they overpaid, but they kept it reasonably short where they could 
move on. Now, Ridley was just – they had to make that move. I mean, do, do you take that chance in, in dynasty and in real-life football sure. at the end of the day? But you're, you're absolutely right, you know, and it's a quarterback you want to be aligned with. Um, Trey Palmer, just people don't know, six foot 192, so has the size. He is 22 as well. He was a transfer from LSU. Couldn't get on the field at LSU. Um, went to Nebraska and broke out. 4.33 speed. Blazing fastest in the whole draft, right? Uh, I believe so. I, I yes, because what did didn't uh, uh, the running back he fall a little bit? A chain, he didn't, he yeah. didn't get there, did he? Okay, no. um, but still, another late breakout. He didn't break out till he's 21, 27 percentile breakout, but did have a big college dominator and target share. So he's a guy I, I like as well, but probably a year away with the Bucks with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin seemingly not being dealt. Um, this year, the name I thought you were going to reference is how much you hate Keishon Butte. Because I gave you the opportunity to take it, <laughs> and oh, you did. You, um, you know why? I didn't scroll down my sheet. <laughs> yeah. So you have Keishon Butte down at wide receiver twenty-four, and the reason why I thought you would talk about him is you had him as wide receiver five after the combine, so you dropped him nineteen spots. Okay. I had him at wide receiver nine. I dropped him all the way to 12. So he's still in my top 12 right now. I can't unsee what he did as a freshman at LSU. And I honestly believe if there's any place he could have landed, it will straighten him the fuck out. It's new England. Sure. So I'm give me that over tank Dell. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. If I have swing and miss in what, probably what round three with this kid, I, I will feel no, sh- no, no pain. At the end of it, the fact that you totally just, you know, removed him from your draft board was <laughs> one of the more shocking things I saw because he had a shitty combine and you still kept him in a reasonable spot. And then he got shitty draft capital. But I mean, it's the, you know, it's the cumulative effect of <laughs> you go to the combine and you go, well, I, I can look past this. Then you go, well, now the NFL doesn't believe in him either. And I was reading up about his ankle surgeries and how. I mean, it could just be that he, he he's I don't remember when his most recent surgery was. So it is possible that, you know, he's just still close to that, you know, tail end of the recovery window. But it just seems like his explosiveness was completely and totally zapped. So for that reason. I'm out. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I wouldn't begrudge anyone. I mean, that dude has had an epic fall from grace. This dude was like the Debbie wide receiver. Oh. Like one two years ago by a fucking not even close yeah i mean after his freshman year it was with a bullet it was you were moving heaven and earth to get you some bootay but now now he's now he's not going to be on any of john's dynasty teams so it's uh you hate to say it but i'm still going to take fallen value if he's there in the in the mid third i'm i'll, I'll throw darts at bootay all day um well, outside of that you name most of the guys i Palmer's in my top 20. Parker Washington's in my top 20. A- Avery, uh, Xavier Hutchins is in my top 20. I like those guys. Um, Charlie Jones, I think there's a pass with the Bengals um, for him to be the slot a year from now because uh, they're not going to be able to pay all these guys. And I'm pretty sure that um, Tyler, I'm drawing a blank. Boy, it is very, <laughs> very so replacing names today. Yeah. We're butchering all these fucking. Names. I'm looking at Tyler Scott, who I have ranked at 15, and I just couldn't get there. But, you know, is extremely <laughs> replaceable by an economical. Charlie Jones, who I think would be great in a slot 
for for the Bengals. I also AT Perry late round, but big body guy with the Saints. Like outside of Alave, I mean Michael Thomas is already saying like he's got to like manage his foot injury. Like the dude just might not ever play again. Yeah. And then they have Rashid Shahid, and really not much else at pass catcher. So there's opportunity for Perry with the Saints. So I like that player as well. I just can't quit Tyler Scott. He ended with the Bears. I could see them him being the the Darnell Mooney replacement a year from now when Darnell Mooney hits free agency. And Claypool. Claypool. Both. Yeah, they can both the Bears either. Tyler Scott, it's not a bad landing spot with an ascending QB. My only – what I, I just don't know what I think of Fields as a quarterback. See, I'm there. I know you haven't been there. And then Tyler Scott also needs some time to develop uh, as a as a receiver. So I think this could be good for him. Oh, a year sitting um, is great for him. Yeah, could be good for him. And you don't like it in Dynasty, but I still am high on the player. He had to fall for me a little bit. He went from 12 to 15 because he lasted longer than I had hoped. But I'm still in on Tyler Scott. And then the rest, it doesn't matter. I mean, I have a little bit of a curiosity on Puka Nacau and him landing with the Rams because other than Cooper Cup, I mean, who's he fighting with targets for? You know, you, Van Jefferson it. and uh, that other goofy guy that was catching a ton of passes late in the year. Here, I, uh, oh, uh, Scru- Ben Scarronek. There he is. Here, you got, you've got him 19. I, I'm sorry, you have him 21. I have Nakao 19. Let's assume we're doing best ball rankings. Where would you move him? I love him as a best ball guy. I, I feel I, like, yeah, and I'm trust I trust McVay to tr- get creative with this kid. So I might put him ten carries as well, and reverses, and you know, bubble screens and stuff like that. Just get the ball in his hands, let him create. Yeah, I mean, he jumps a lot of these guys who I don't think have a past opportunity in year one. I'm putting him uh, just scrolling through the names. I think I would put him ten in best ball drafts. Yeah, I wouldn't argue it. I mean, that falls right around the Hyatt Tillman range for me. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't disagree. So, don't forget yeah. about Puka. All right, yeah, but last, but certainly not least, the still the the capstone position of every dynasty league. I don't care, even if you're in superflex, people still want running backs, right? Because it, they're becoming so commoditized. Like there's there's all these. Uh, running back by committees anymore. Yeah. So to get these top guys, still they're worth their weight in gold. I mean, we're still talking about B. John Robinson 101 in Superflex drafts for that exact reason. It's that these guys don't come around that often. Like a Bryce Young will be available in next year's draft, right? But Bijan could change the trajectory of not only the Falcons, but your fantasy football team. And it's because he can carry like player and a half type upside, like kind of a Christian McCaffrey did in his, you know, in, in, in his peak years. And there's no, <laughs> there's, there wasn't a landing spot where he wasn't going to be the one-on-one. I think the Falcons are one of the best landing spots for Bijan Robinson in this entire draft run based offense. Their coach is never going to go away from that. If anyone thinks that Algier or Cordell Patterson are going to take anything from Bijan, except when he taps his helmet to come out for a play, you're out of your mind. He's going to get all the work he can Right out of the gate, I actually good line indoors, good division. I, B. John Robinson could be the running back one this year in fantasy football. I like the landing spot for Cordero Patterson. I mean, look, the guy the guy is very versatile. He was drafted as a 
wide receiver. He's a great kick returner. With Robinson back there, it frees him up to probably get more involved in the passing game. I, I, I'm actually a couple of years ago I said buy Patterson, then I said sell Patterson, and now I'm back on the buy Patterson uh, for 2023. I think he gets a pretty big uptick in targets this year. But, but here, here's my question for you about the Falcons in general. So the, they go Robinson, London, and Pitts the last three drafts. Do you all, think all the top ten? Do all you think ten. this team is even any better in twenty twenty three? I say no. They're picking top fucking ten again next year. I I do because I think the division is taking a step back. So I I think they will be better. Okay. Do, do I think they're a five hundred team? No. no, not comparative. You're correct. You, you that is a strong point. Tampa stinks. Uh, I don't think New Orleans is any better. Um. And I, yes, Carolina better. Eh, it's debatable. Um, Everyone's rebuilding at the same time. That's yeah. You know, the, the Saints actually feel like they're the best team, and they they went all in with Derek Carr. That's so yes, point. they 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 could go six and zero in their division. But do you think, <laughs> by no fault of their own, by the other teams, uh, just piling more shit beneath them, are they a better team though than they were a year ago? I don't I don't know if they are at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to give them a, a little bit of a, a bump, uh, the Bijan bump. But no, like I think they're they're not threatening, you know, playoff contention. They're not they're not, you know, imper- imposing fear in the hearts of their opponents yeah. this year. They're still a quarterback away. I don't hate Ritter, but Ritter's not going to win you a Super Bowl, right? And if you don't have the Super Bowl winning quarterback, why do you keep trying to put talent around that position? That has a shelf life. That's just what confuses me. You know, the Falcons are going to waste B. John Robinson's prime years as they continue to rebuild. And I get it. I mean, Arthur Smith's run-based. He's already a few years in. He doesn't get to, you know, say, well, guys, just give me three more years and we'll, and we'll get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, no, you got to win now, right? So this works in his scheme. He wants to be run-based. You said something about Cordero Patterson I like a lot because Sneaky Olamide Zacchaeus ended up with my Eagles. So their slot guy is gone. I would love to see Patterson on the field with Bijan getting a shit ton of slot snaps and just getting like bubble screens and crossers and things yep. of that nature. And then jet yep. sweeps and reverses, like get creative. And yeah, you could still see an eight to 10 touch quarter L Patterson be pretty effective in fantasy mm-hmm. football in a PPR league and keep defenses off balance. I, I like where your head's at. Yeah. I, I think it's a good buy opportunity. Like it, and then it's goodbye because he's like thirty-five years oh, old. Oh yes, so. double it's goodbye. And goodbye. John will be on the sell again next year if he hasn't retired. So just <laughs> he's a yo-yo. If you just listen. <laughs> I told you the last uh, three years with him, you could be sitting on a massive profit. Yeah, the Cordarrelle Patterson yo-yo effect. So all of a Bijan with nothing to talk about. To Jameer Gibbs, nothing to talk about. Both Adam is as running back two. Just I don't even want him there. There's something to talk about. I don't want him at two. I just have. You you really have conceded. no choice. You conceded. I mean, what are you going to do? They they obviously they cleared the room for him. They fucking grossly overdrafted him, and we're happy to do so at six, according to the reports. You, John, you, if you think about that, there was reports that some teams had Jameer Gibbs ranked above Bijan oh, Robinson. Several teams, yeah. And everyone was like, "That's bullshit." People are just you know, these, this is clickbait. Well. The Detroit Lions had a chance <laughs> to draft Bijan Robinson at six, <laughs> and like they said, they were they were 
happy. They were happy to have take Gibbs there if they had to, but they were able to move down <laughs> Christ all the way to 12 and still secure Jameer Gibbs. He was my running back too before all this. I'm high on the player. I, I think he is going to be what everyone hoped and dreamed that DeAndre Swift was going to be in this offense. And we've seen the role. David or David Montgomery can do the Jamal Williams things if he wants. If Jamal Gibbs, who has proven he can stay healthy all through college, can actually be the DeAndre Swift for the Detroit Lions, he's going to be a fucking superstar. Superstar, John. Top five dynasty running back next year. I have not had an opportunity to draft him. He's been long gone anytime I was up. Um, barring one league, I had the first overall pick and I took Robinson. Um, but, but I, 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 I'm not, I'm too scared about the size thing. So I've been hoping he was there when I was picking and someone else can come up and get him. But uh, I haven't been in that position yet. I'm, I'm too chicken shit to pull the trigger. Not me. I'm the chicken man. I am. I am. Oh, give me every ounce of Jameer Gibbs that, that I can possibly handle. I, I get the size concerns. He's not going to be a 20 touch guy. So I don't, I'm not that concerned uh, about it uh, at the end of the day, but this team has a cl- has clear designs on, you know, what he can be. And, and listen, he's 199 pounds, right? He said, I'm not going to put on water weight for this combine. I'm just going to run super fast. He could have put on five pounds if he wanted to. Easy. <laughs> like all these guys do. Yeah, two, right? Just, just a, a different first number, right? But he didn't. Now, he stayed and played at 199. Listen, DeAndre Swift's 5'8", 212 listed. I mean, could Jameer Gibbs put on five pounds, be 5'9", 204, 205? You know, does that it doesn't change anything for me, but make you feel happier about where he is from a, a weight perspective? I just well, think only because you <laughs> see that list. And uh, yes. yeah, I mean, it's it's and and, and you know what? And we've talked about it. I don't think we talked about it on the pod, but like behind the scenes, that list is like double damning to me. That is the who's who of guys that I have loved that have just stunk. So I, everybody on that list, I'm just terrified of, and we got several more in this class. I was going to say, so listen, we can bounce around a little bit. Let's just check this box. So Devon a chain is five, eight and a half, 188 pounds. So, you know, he's Jameer Gibbs, little brother, but he's both RRB five. And it's solely because he landed in the absolute perfect spot in Miami, where it's just, just, just run forest run with these four three backs that they just deploy, just keep cycling through them. And Devon A chain's the latest, you know, track star to land with the Miami Dolphins. I'm scared to death of him, but being where some of the other guys landed against him, he's kind of yo-yoed up and down my rankings where I he was at five, then he went down to six. Now he's back up to five. Like I wanted some running backs to pass him with draft capital. And I just couldn't get there. So that's I where I don't have where, a lot of them. I won't. No. And that's where I had them too. And um, again, I was similar to Gibbs. I was just hoping people would come and get them. And there was a league um, where I had back-to-back picks and he was still there. And I'm like, somebody come get Devin A. Chain still on the board. And I just got trash offers. And the guy behind me was talking about trading up one spot, but didn't want to pay anything for it. 
And I was like, well, I'm not going to let him fall to you because I know you want him. So I ended up taking him in one league just so he didn't fall to the next guy, which – and that's the only spot I have them in. I, I don't want. That's a great draft strategy, John. I know the guy after me wants them. So I'm not going to let that happen. <laughs> I'm just going to draft them because you want to give me like a third round pick to move up. Yeah. You don't want to give me a fucking fourth next year to move up one spot. I'll, I'll just take bite the bullet. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, not a lot to talk about with 18. Everyone's talking about, you know, dream land as well with the dolphins. And I, I agree. It is dream. So we skipped three and four. So both our three is now Kendra Miller. Um, Neither of us were super high on Kendra um, going in to the draft. Yeah, he just didn't have the real the best process. He was nine for you. He was eleven for me. And not because I didn't like the player. I just I didn't think he was going to get the capital. I thought um, I thought I was higher. I'm surprised they had him at nine. Also, yeah. Um, boom with a bullet landed with the Saints. Got the capital uh, round three capital. Uncertainty of Alvin Kamara. The fact that we both think Jamal Williams is a slug and there's no real long-term solution there. Now they're coming out you know, speaking glowingly about drafting him. Um, I, I think he's the clear three, and that's a lot precipitated by we both had Zach Charbonnet at three who had to drop. He dropped a four for me. I still like the player. He dropped a six for you because he landed in Seattle, and it, Ken Walker's there. I mean, it's just going to be ugly for both of those guys to varying degrees. So totally understand why you – bumped them down as far as you did. I couldn't go quite that far because I'm not going to take Devin Aching over Zach Charbonnet. So once I start kind of putting, you know, would I do this into perspective, I'll bank on the chance that Zach Charbonnet is just the more complete player, which he is. So he'll get passing downs work. He'll organically just get enough rush work. And then if something happens to Ken Walker, Zach Charbonnet would be a stud in my opinion. Yeah. So I'm still going to get draft that player. I don't know he could have landed anywhere worse if I had to like pick 32 teams than Seattle. But then I think Seattle likes to run the ball. So there's no reason to think that him and Ken Walker aren't splitting 30 plus carries a game. And then Charbonnet's getting the pass work because Ken Walker sucks. As and and if, if, if Charbonnet outplays him, I mean, we've seen He'll play. Seattle. Yeah. Seattle yeah. doesn't give a shit. So if you think he's more talented than Ken Walker, he should probably be your RB three because yeah, I do think he is more talented than Ken Walker. I've been on record. Ken Walker is just straight line faster. Like Zach Charbonnet is a more complete running back in my opinion. So I, uh, I am going to keep him for again, a guy I haven't got many places cause he's still going at that one, two turn um, because of this class. And I just haven't been able to secure any uh, Zach Charbonnet, uh, assets thus far but moving down a little bit and trying to stay oh, back, back to kendry miller did you see his quotes too oh yeah pretty much told alvin Gordon to go fuck himself <sighs> gotta like that right yeah oh, yeah <laughs> just bring that dog man you know he, he also, like like i'm gonna listen to the vets and try to pick up what i can he came in and said i'm taking these guys fucking jobs i was like oh i yeah. like this okay yeah well listen like yes yeah, yeah stop giving the pc answer tell the truth yeah it was good you to know, hear it, it is it's what every player should say and that's what it, every it, teammate should be like yeah he should want to take my job right i mean it's what? like and, and start taking shit about, personally stop playing football we talked about it with uh debro a little bit and he was like i i don't see it with him and my the guy just seems like he's the hardest guy to tackle in this class he he does not get tackled easily and then when you hear that quote, like I'm coming for these jobs, like he's kind of got that, you know, that Fournetti thing that I like in running backs that kind of, you know, Earl Campbell 
I'm gonna <laughs> I'm taking jobs, I'm running people over. I, I'm a huge fan of that personally. So he's pretty locked in at my three. I'm 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 I love the landing spot, really like the player. I'm I'm excited about that one. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm there too. I've come full circle on Miller. Like the, like I said, I like the player. I just I had concerns over the opportunity and now those concerns have been alleviated. So boom. Right back up. I have landed him at that again, one two turn in a few places already and and couldn't be happier about it. So moving from him, you have Zach Evans, boom, with an absolute, you know, firecracker up his ass to running back four for you. I I couldn't quite do that, sir. He is my running back nine, which is actually dropped down from seven. So he went from four to four for you. So you liked him before. He I had him three, three combine. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I'm looking post. Okay. So you never moved him. All right. So he was six for me pre-combine. So he dropped to seven. So he moved down a spot and then he moved down two more because some players passed him like Kendra Miller um, for me. But we both love the landing spot. He's an acres away because Kyron Williams stinks. He's still running his 40. I checked. And <laughs> so he's not, he's not standing in anyone's way. And there's still the uncertainty of acres and all. Yeah. He came around at the end of last year. And I do think, you know, he, he's now a full year removed and he clearly rushed back too quickly um, from the ACL. And it's unfortunate, you know, they wanted to trade him. He didn't want to play for him, sat out. It was like, it's a whole soap opera with them, but I think he's firmly entrenched as their starter, but these guys get hurt all the time. And Zach Evans for being a late day three pick sure found himself in a good spot. And he's another guy that the Rams are speaking glowingly about Mm -hmm. already loving the player. Is everybody? Oh, yeah. I lost you. I heard you say loving the player, and then you stopped. Yeah, I figured you would talk. <laughs> oh, it's not like you're in the middle of the sentence. I thought you dropped. <laughs> there was more to the sentence. It's going to give me nothing. I have to bring up StreamYard to see if he's even there. <laughs> That's what I did, too. <laughs> All right. So you want to say anything about that, Kevin? Or would you say speaking glowingly? Okay. Just go. Yeah, I mean, I, I was high on him going into the process. You know, it, he was banged up a little, right? That's why he didn't do a lot of the offseason stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, similar to Hooker, you bake that into the cost. That's why he fell. It wasn't because he sucked necessarily in the eyes of the other teams. But it is as good a spot as you could ask for. And And like I said, I was already a fan going in. So already a fan, good landing spot, fell because of injury concerns, not necessarily – off the field stuff or his play on the field. So I I'm thrilled. And I think I've been texting you every time I get him in one of these rookie drafts because he's falling. So I I'm like the player, like the landing spot, keeping him up in my top five where he was uh, this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to argue. I'm trying to look a little bit with him, see what the actual reason was why he didn't participate. I thought he was banged up. One of your favorites, while you're looking that up, who I'll bring up, Ro- Rochelle Johnson, who you had yeah. four and is down to six for you. I have him seven. I, I would like to put him ahead of Charbonnet at my six, except, like you said, th- there's that upside if Charbonnet gets the full workload. He's skyrocketing up to, you know, 
top 12 territory at the position. So I don't see that in Johnson's outcome. So I have to keep him behind him, but like the landing spot with the bears, what did you think? Cause I know you were a huge fan. Yeah. I mean, so the bears actually have a lot of running backs. I like I'm a huge Khalil Herbert fan. Have yeah. been was preaching about that dude. Steal in his draft. I, I've been super impressed with Dante Foreman. Have loved watching him and his comeback from an Achilles as well these last two years as he's bounced around from the Titans to the Panthers and then he landed and I thought in a great spot with the Bears it was a, a compliment to Cleo Herbert. Rashawn Johnson's coming for their jobs. He, he might as well just call Kendra Miller for a quote because Rashawn's starting by midseason this year. This is this staff's pick for the running back. He's big he's tough <laughs> he's a team guy he's like everything you want in a running back he's will do anything you ask for he's like so humble like this guy's just gonna endear himself to this entire coaching staff i don't he's going to be the starting running back for the chicago bears by midseason yeah and you, you said something that i don't think even myself a lot of people don't necessarily put enough stock into which is you know this team is Change coaches in the last couple seasons here. They have no tie to any NGM. Yeah, the front office, all that. There's no tie to to the previous guys. Like, this is who the GM and the coaching staff of the team want. They inherited the other guys. This is who they want. I mean, going down here a little bit, who was I thinking of kind of in the same boat? Can't find the name off the top of my head. But there's other guys too. Oh, uh, Tank Bigsby. You know, you mm-hmm. go Jacksonville and you go, well, well, you know, he's got to contend with ATN and they put a first on ATN. And you go, they didn't put a first mm-hmm. on ATN. Someone else put a first mm-hmm. on ATN. There is a world where they like Bigsby more than ATN. So no matter how much people like ATN and thought he did good things on the field when he's been out there in the NFL, no one in Jacksonville is tied to that guy. They want they drafted Bigsby for some reason. Could it be to take ATN's job? We'll find out very soon. But you know, you you forget these things if you're not routinely reminded about it. Yeah, it's like listen, you and that's a great point because one, I like Etienne. I love Bigsby. Bigsby was my running back four pre-combine. He faded a little bit. Now he's hung at eight for me. So to your point, they didn't draft Etienne, but they also – you saw what they were doing early in the season. They were giving James Robinson a ton of work, and he, he just proved, fucking Jermichael Hasty a ton of work. Yeah, he just proved he couldn't <laughs> do it, which is why they bailed on him. So they don't want to give Etienne, you know, 20-plus touches a game. So Bigsby is walking right into a tremendous opportunity yeah, I've got him in a well. Doug Peterson offense, you know, to carve out a role for himself. Um, so I couldn't push him down too far. And in this, like we said, how many of these guys walked into just clean opportunities? Not, not many. That just doesn't really exist in this new NFL. So I'm still going to hold true to my evaluations unless like monumental swings in capital, like Kendry Miller going when he did. Other than that, I haven't, I didn't really have any epic swings in where I've ranked these players. Um, you know, which is why Tank Bigsby kind of held at eight. And yeah, I think I should put him at eight. Looking at my list now. Yeah, fan of the player. I mean, I Chase Brown. I still not. I'm not crazy about him, but I think the situation's ideal. Correct. Maybe with Joe Mixon, and even if Joe Mixon's there, there's nothing behind Joe Mixon. P. Ryan's out of there, and Chris Evans and uh, Travion Walk, Travion Williams. Yeah, aren't anything. 
I mean, they're, they're pass catching back. So Chase Brown would be the guy. He, he's going to be, you know, Samaj P. Ryan minus like, the inability to take a hit. I mean, <laughs> so it's <laughs> without the wrist clutching on a fucking. Anytime I get a shot, take a <laughs> shot at old Samaj, I'm going to take it. So. I, he he went from 15 up to 10 for me. Super draftable guy. I, I've landed him like two or three spots. Ty J Spears, ACL or not, what I watched that dude do on the football field and on the senior bowl, clearly not everyone needs ACLs. I mean, it just seemed, seemed optional at this point. So with the Titans, who there was always – there's rumors that they're trying to move on from Henry. I'm not sure how true they are. But if this season doesn't start as they want, Henry's not long-term for this team. I mean, he's got to be coming up on a contract soon. Super expensive. they got to see what they have in this kid. Um, and if they do the full transition to, to Levis and all that, we might see a little bit more Spears coming into play who, yeah. listen, the knee's going to be a concern, right? But if you're drafting a running back for more than four years of your dynasty life, you're doing dynasty wrong. Anything beyond that is gravy. So take the player you like who landed in a decent spot with reasonable capital that a team cleared to come play for them and let the other stuff just fade away into the ether. You know, don't, you're not a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Don't have the degree that these team physicians have that signed off on signing this kid and just watch the tape. I mean, sure. It's probably going to be an issue for him later on in life. But he's the, he's making these decisions, right? Yeah. Like, We're not drafting for his uh, yeah his retirement. Slide yeah, his, into his, second his, his softball league, you know, <laughs> in his sixties. It's this is for the here and now. So he's dropped from five to seven for me, but still an extremely draftable guy. And he's at nine for you, so still stayed in the top ten. So I think we touched on just about all the top ten guys we have. Sean Tucker's in there for you, just outside of for me at thirteen. Sucks that he had that kind, you know, had the medical issue that led them being undrafted because he would have been drafted before a fair amount of these guys that got draft capital. But by not being drafted, he got to pick where he wanted to go. And he got like 155 guaranteed, which is like the equivalent, like more than like a seventh round pick gets. Yeah. Yeah. So the Bucks wanted him, you know, he's almost as short of a spot has very little on his way. Chase Edmonds, isn't an impediment and neither is uh Kayshawn Vaughn. So it's him and Rashad White are probably the top two backs. Well and, and, and Penny, your point with, with you were making with Tajay Spears, the, the team obviously cleared him medically and gave him a shit ton of money to show up. So they like him. Why should why shouldn't I like him? Yeah, exactly. Like it's don't don't run everything out the worst case scenario, right? Sucks that he didn't get drafted, didn't get that experience, but he ended up in Tampa Bay with a decent amount of money, you know, and, a, and an opportunity to prove himself, you know, in a in a shallow depth chart. So guarantee some of these other players, you know, if Zach Charbonnet went to the Bucks with like round five capital, we'd be like, yeah, yeah great, exactly. Great opportunity for Charbonnet, right? If, you know, a Banacanda went to the Bucks. Oh, I would like that. All right, we'd be, be, Full pants off, dance off <laughs> for him at that point in time. So why not Sean Tucker? You know, I wasn't crazy about the player, but tested pretty well athletically and was productive at Syracuse. So I'm there uh, as well with you. And then going down, I mean, we both have Evan Hall at 14. I don't like the Colts landing spot. I mean, could they kind of use him as a pass catching specialist? Yeah. Do does anyone in the NFL, does anyone in fantasy football want that because of Jonathan Taylor? No. Other than Derek Brown, I mean, he's probably the only one. 
that wanted <laughs> he was to tweeting out he was tweeting out how Taylor's contract is up next year. No, they probably don't want to pay him. He's already <laughs> oh no, he's just leaning into it. Completely. Yeah. I, I, hey, fair enough. I mean, there there is a world, and Hull was <laughs> tested super athletic and was productive in a bad Northwestern offense, but I don't know. Better landing spots could have been had. After that, I don't really care about any of these guys. I don't see a single one of them. You, people can tell me all they want about Deuce Vaughn and how they have a role for him. No. That, yeah, ev- no. everybody else needs – He's as big as an eighth grader. <laughs> everybody else needs a lot of several things to take place for them to see any success. Like McBride, not a pass catcher whatsoever, goes to Minnesota. Even if they moved on from Cook – he would just be a first and second down guy, brings no PPR value whatsoever. Eric Gray going to the Giants, same thing. You're just holding your hand, seeing what they do with Barkley's contract. Could he be their starting running back next year? Sure. Could he also be <laughs> Saquon Barkley's backup for three or four years? That is also very likely. Yeah. And, Could he also be never nothing? Yes. That's, yes. that's also true. You so. know, it, is he is buried on the Jets unless Brees Hall misses another complete season? Deuce Vaughn also on that list. The sub two hundred pounder is not interested. I don't know. Deuce Vaughn sub one hundred and eighty pounds. Just for the record, isn't he sub one seventy? <laughs> isn't he one sixty five? No, he's one seventy nine. Fuck. Here's what I had him as. Chris Rodriguez. Uh, what are you gonna do with that Commanders backfield? That's entirely untrustworthy. Kenny McIntosh probably out of all these guys has one of the best potential roles just because Seattle has always kind of rotated in that, you know, Travis Homer, DJ Dallas pass catcher guy. So he's probably for a role, probably the safest guy outside of most people's top 12, which is not saying much. He's still going to suck, but at least, you know, he's going to get, you know, Two targets a game. You can't the irony is, John, if the Seahawks hadn't drafted Charbonnet, I would be super bullish on Kenny McIntosh because they yeah. used that player. Yep, and he was a good pass catcher. I would yeah. be. He'd be in my top ten probably. If if they I, didn't use Charbonnet, see if it. McIntosh went exactly where he went. Late day three to the Seahawks. I would be in on him. I see what I'm, you're saying. I'm completely out. One guy both of us kind of have just lingering down there a little bit. Keaton Mitchell, UDFA to the Ravens. If everything changes in their offense, which I still am <laughs> extremely, <laughs> you know, I question that if it's at all possible. Everything is different. If every single thing changes, little speed pass catcher, uh, I want to believe in Keaton Mitchell, but it, it, yeah, he landed in the Ravens. Like, there's so many other places he could have landed. I would have been like, keep the light on. But I like the player. And if you look, I mean, it's J.K. Dobbins, it's Gus Edwards, and then what is it, Justice uh, Hill? Is he still there? I mean, yeah. But they, that's run a team through, they burn through running backs. I mean, similar to Seattle, that's a team. Th- there is a role that they want Keaton Mitchell to fill that they've been trying to fill unsuccessfully for what feels like a decade. So I, I don't think remember Kenneth Dixon. Anyone? Does anyone remember yeah, that guy? Believe me, I do. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think you're wrong. There is a path for him, but he's got to finally be the guy after it seems like eight guys have failed at it. Yes. I mean, it's also like I, the, the, 
the precursor. I prefaced my <laughs> statement of Keaton Mitchell with everything we know it changing in this offense. He's also undersized. He's 5'8". He's 179 pounds. He's literally the same weight as Deuce Vaughn. He happens to be three inches taller, but it looks like a foot and a half bigger yeah. than him. But he's an undersized speedster as well. Ran a 4.3740. Decent vert and broad. Like He's an explosive running back. So I, I like the player. I just hope he gets a little bit of opportunity in this Ravens offense. I took him in the round five of the one draft we're in where he wasn't even available on Flea Flicker. I actually had to draft. <laughs> I forget who I drafted. I think I was looking for Kenneth Dixon, ironically enough, but I drafted Duke Johnson. Just that's <laughs> always one of the uh, <laughs> best parts of drafts when you reach the DM the commissioner with a fake player's name. Yep. Oh, it was fantastic. <laughs> but I, I took more time trying to look for who the guy was I was going to take uh. before selecting Mitchell than it took me to take Mitchell. I'll, I'll throw a dart on that upside all day long. But that, uh, I think that more than does it, John. We are going long today, which we typically do. Um, we're about an hour and a half of real time here. Yeah, people love it. Stuff is good, though. Yeah, people love it. They're going to listen every second. Yuck it up. You know, don't complain. Just listen to it on one and a half speed. Okay. And uh, you're welcome for your fantasy championships. Yeah. So that'll do it. Um, not quite sure where we're headed next week, but we will tackle that when we get there. We got uh, to the orthopedist. Lots, <laughs> lots <laughs> of off season things to take care of. We are in the, the meat and potatoes part of the dynasty off season. This is when you do all the work to win your championships. So stick around. We will do our best to help you. So for myself, John Dabari, my co-host, Matt Walker, and our friends that expand the box score, we are the Fantasy 40, and we are out of here. So we have a couple more minutes of banter in this. We missed we miss out on a couple of goals. We could have gaslit a few of our friends. Tack on the actually. But you never know who, who gets feelings are hurt. <laughs> yeah, I mean too bad. So, so some of these people are not fond of their nicknames, you know, so so it's understandably so. But um I was gonna do what I'm just thinking of fucking bad nicknames. I'm thinking of that that was usually for girls that did not sure yeah i mean there's <laughs> nicknames and then there's designations you know <laughs> you, want, you never want a designation right even if it rhymes with your name or something kind of cheeky you're usually trying to avoid it at all costs well then i even hate shows because of it did you ever watch stranger things I watched season one, and honestly, I really wasn't that enamored with it. I don't remember if it was one or two. Did you see the season where there was like a three-episode arc in Chicago with like other whatever the fuck they – I don't like the show either, so I don't know. But the the point is there were episodes that didn't fit into the Mm. previous episode, and that's when I stopped watching. I was like, I'm out. Yeah, like I want to like shows like that. I do. Like – that's kind of my speed, but I was just like, eh. I don't know. I know it's like a, a cult phenomenon, but you can, I, I, I pushed myself through season one and I said, no, nah, I'm good. You know, 
season two came and went. Season three, I think, happened. I don't know what season they're on now. Yeah, but I, know kids, I don't go back. I know the kids are all grown up. <laughs> they're all in their twenties now. So <laughs> Stranger Things, the yeah. mortgage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. the mortgage episode. How strange do you want to get? Like a bag of flame like shit it, on like my front said, porch. Yeah, how do you not though, right? <laughs> oh, I get it. You know, you like one more season that good is inevitably oh. going to fail, right? Because the end's not going to be when they envisioned it happening. And then when it does happen, the viewer's not going to be happy about it because of all the shit they wedged in between it. You can't win. There's no winning for like successful shows. I, I mean, I, I don't know if I ever told you this before. I am not a Seinfeld guy. You have. Okay. I, I find it thoroughly unfunny. Like thoroughly. I also find Larry David unfunny as well. Oh, frequently. I know you told me about this one. You, do we talked about this before? Cause then you tried to point me in the direction of like this one or Larry Sanders or whatever the fuck it is um, episode. And it's just, it's just not funny to me. It's just not. Well, so I've tried. I've watched like dozens of episodes, like randomly. I'm just like, nah, nah. I listen to a standup. I'm like, okay, nah, nah. Oh, Seinfeld? Yeah. This guy's average at best. Yeah. Like, I don't get that. Yeah, but his fucking stand-up is the damn show. I mean, it's literally just like him being, you know, what's the deal? You know what's really? weird, though? I've seen him do I'm interviews. That's that's what it comes down to. I've I'm seen a him funnier human being than Jerry Seinfeld. Do interviews or panels where he's talking to other comedians, and I find him to be a funny person. But, yeah, I, his stand-up, I don't think, is particularly funny. <laughs> Yeah, well, the show is just a projection of the stand-up. So, by default, unfunny. <clears throat> Hurtful. Well, not truth, not truth, truth hurts, John. That's, that's, what the, that's what the kids say. <laughs> he's doing just fine. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit if I don't think he's funny. <laughs> no, not one fucking bit. Nah. 